everybody. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And we're Fried Squirms, and we're here to get stoned, talk about horror movies. This week being Black Sunday, The Mask of the Demon. The Devil? Satan. The Both? The Mask of Satan? Satan? <laughs> but before we get into that, let's get to our green hits. Danny, what am I currently smoking on that you brought me? So today, brought over a strain we've both talked about before. We're no strangers to it, but that is Gorilla Glue, number four strain. This is a Indica dominant hybrid. I've seen some different numbers on the split, but it's roughly 60% Indica, 40% Sativa. It is one I picked up over at our local dispensary at Flower, so go check them out if you're in town. But uh, for those who don't know, this strain was created through crossing the infamous Chem Sisters, Sour Dub, and Chocolate Diesel strains. So they can range all the way up to like 32% on the THC, but somewhere in the low to mid 20s is usually where you'll find it. I think this one clocks in at like 24.5% over at Flower. So some of the effects that you'll get are body highs. It's a little bit of a cerebral high. You'll feel energized and euphoric happy and you'll feel uplifted in the flavors and aromas both are chemically chocolate coffee diesel pine and sweet oh yeah i also went to flower except i picked up for you some genius jack genius jack is a jack herrera phenotype oh nice so it's jack which i mean we've talked about jack a number of times on the show before i love it pretty fucking classic sativa but I don't know what's different in this phenotype that they've isolated. I, I couldn't pull up any info anywhere else, That's but okay. I'm guessing in just their own jack breeding, they started noticing some characteristics that they were breeding for. Oh. And so this is their own little genius jack that's coming in at about 20%. Hey, that's okay. We've talked about that before. It's not necessarily the numbers. It can be just some of these terpenes that are in it that can get you right where you need to be. I'm loving this fucking original blue too. With that, let's get to the Guts and Bolts, Mario Bava's Black Sunday. Guts and Bolts. All right, Black Sunday, Guts and Bolts. Who and what went into it? Spoiler free. The setup for it being back in the 17th century, a woman is put to death alongside her lover for sorcery as she's about to be executed she curses her brother who's the one putting her to death as well as kind of like everyone there to be honest but mostly at her brother and you know this movie picks up later when her curse is finally coming to fruition i mean that's what you get without spoiling anything right so with that of course we do like talking about the people going to make in the film and the actors and actresses in front of the cameras and this week we're talking about a director who's also our cinematographer on this and he's uncredited as one of the writers a gentleman we're not unfamiliar with considered the godfather of italian horror and i'm talking about mario bava so we did talk about him way back on episode 120 when we reviewed uh, black sabbath was which that was the last time yeah i was like damn man we really getting up there that was almost 100 episodes ago <laughs> that doesn't make any sense so yeah with that being said just reading a little bit of his history is kind of interesting too he was the son of eugenio baba who was credited with like some really cool stuff with actually he helped sculpt some things in this film i'll talk about here in a little bit oh, okay. but his father in his own right was like a filmmaker and inventor and all this other interesting stuff but um, Mario is also the father of Lumberto Bava, who I own a couple of his films because he's also an Italian horror director. So the Bava family is well known amongst horror aficionados. Just a few films of note because we could be here all day talking about Mario. But he was credited with the first Italian horror film of the sound era when he directed 1957's Ivan Piri. He was also the first Italian science fiction film director when he directed The Day the Sky Exploded. I'm not sure if he gets credited, but the actors and people on set said he pretty much directed the film. Mm. And he's also credited with Kaltiki, the immortal monster, and the giant of Marathon. And like I said, just a few things from the horror series, Kill Baby Kill, Blood and Black Lace, and The Whip in the Body. So a few of those are in the giallo subgenre. You have more experience with Bava. What's I your did. Bava jam? You know, at first it was this because this was the only one I really know, but I would say... Ooh, out of all the ones we watched so far, uh, Blood and Black Lace is pretty boss, dude. And yeah. so is Whip in the Body. Both of those are really good. So I would say you can't go wrong with either one of those. All right, 
here's something interesting. I didn't realize that this film was based off of a tale from Nikolai Gogol, and that tale is V. I mean, that was like V-I-Y, but Right, and you've watched Russian. the newer V, right, which is also a super loose It's the adaptation. first Russian horror film from like ooh, somewhere in the 60s. Oh, you watched the older V. Yeah, I own the Because there's v. a new V, too. No, I haven't seen that one. Oh, okay. I've got the OG V. <laughs> yeah, because there was a new V that was put out like three years ago. Oh, shit. No, I haven't seen that. That is, like this, a very loose adaptation. I think the Russian one is closer, closer. to the source, Yeah. Okay. if I'm not mistaken. I've already mentioned that Mario Bava was uncredited as one of the writers. There's two other people uncredited, and those are Marcelo Coscia and Dino De Palma. But the writers, as far as the screenplay, are credited to Ennio De Concini, who helped with Hercules and Hercules Unchained, and Mario Sandre helped with the film Pact with the Devil. Our editor is Mario Sandre. He was also credited with editing the film Hercules and Hercules Unchained. Now, I did talk to somebody earlier this week, and I told him one of the interesting things I like about this section is finding out how many people work on the same fucking projects. Mm. And the more we do this, the more it makes sense because of those films I've already mentioned, Hercules and Hercules Unchained. Mario Bava worked on those films too as like a um, effects guy. Oh, okay. So they already had yeah. these connections there. All right, music. There's two different music composers depending on which version of this film you watched. So the Mask of Satan, which is the director's cut. Okay. Roberto Nicolosi is credited with the soundtrack. And he's also credited with the soundtrack for Black Sabbath, depending on which version you watch, <laughs> director's cut. So it would have been episode 120. I don't know if we mentioned him, but we should have, because that's what he's credited for. Just a few other things of note from uh, Mr. Nicolosi. If you look back, 1957's The Black Devil. He did 1959's The Lost Souls. He's also credited with Kaltiki, The Immortal <laughs> Monster, Colossus and the Amazon Queen, The Last of the Vikings, Eric the Conqueror. So a lot of stuff like that. All right. Now, the gentleman, if you watch the AIP American version, which is credited as Black Sunday, right? <laughs> it would have been Les Baxter, who's another gentleman we did talk about because he was credited with scoring Black Sabbath, the American <laughs> <Shit>. cut. <laughs> and we also talked about him on episode 86 when we talked about The Raven. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just a few films there. Uh, okay. Yeah. And this guy's Things got are a, starting to come together because he's got a swath of movie credits we'd be here all day pretty positive that it's the black sunday cut that's on tubi that i watched because that sounded more like an american school it might it might not be because i started watching it and it said the mask of satan that's true so i have the arrow version okay and it's credited as the mask of satan i know we're going to get into it but i think the version you watched on tubi is the director's cut okay it's like an hour 26 I was kind of thrown off by the score, to be honest. Yeah, Les Baxter in that AIP version is an hour 23. Okay. So there's a slight difference with those cuts already. But anywho, depending on which version you watch, there's two different soundtracks. Even though Les Baxter used, I think, a couple of Nicolosi's in the soundtrack. Mm. So there's that. All right, now this was produced by Massimo Di Rita. Production companies were Galatia Films and Jolly Film. Distributors were Unitas for the 1960 Italian theatrical release and AIP, which is American International Pictures, helped with the 1961 United States theatrical dubbed release. This was released on August 11th, 1960 in Italy and February 15th, 1961 here in the States. It grossed 139 million liros. I don't know what that translates to in today's dollars, so... If you like doing math, there you go. There's a challenge. Uh, there's several taglines, but the one that I lifted, and this comes right off of the arrow version that I have. It's on the back of it. It says, stare into these eyes. Discover deep within them the unspeakable, terrifying secret of Black Sunday. It will paralyze you with fright. So take what you will with that. <laughs> All right, so moving into our cast of Black Sunday, we're going to lead off with Barbara Steele. Although she doesn't like being credited, I think she's come around and starting to get a you know a little bit more used to the idea as a scream queen. <laughs> mm. But she plays dual roles. She plays Asa Vida and Katya Vida in the film. Just a few things of note from her, because once again, we'd be here all freaking day. She had a supporting role in Federico Fellini's Ain't Half from 1963. She helped in the 1991 miniseries Dark Shadows. She was in The Butterfly Room. It says Ryan Gosling's Lost River. 
tons of horror films I've already talked about there. Just to name a few, The Horrible Dr. Hitchcock, The Ghost, The Long Hair of Death, Castle of Blood. She also helped with The Pit and the Pendulum, which is really neat too, a Roger Corman film, and Curse of the Crimson Altar. So should be familiar. Did you, did you see her latest? I haven't. I haven't even looked at that. Credit? Oh, damn. Castlevania? Yep. Is it Miranda? Damn. Damn. That's pretty dope, man. So that's from last year. Yeah. No How shit. killer is that? Yeah. She is, what, 82? 81, 82? Damn, dude. Still around. Still getting it. I watched an interview from what her. What she look like these? I'm going to look up what she looks like. I know. Like well, I saw an interview when she did it in 98, and she still looked really nice looking. So I would imagine she probably hasn't fallen too far off. Yeah, I don't know how old this is, but she seems younger than 83 in this picture. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's interesting. All right. Next we have John Richardson. He plays the role of Dr. Andrzej Gorebek. I think his name is Andreas in the AIP cut, if I'm okay. not mistaken. Yeah, so there's a little difference there. But anywho, this gentleman, just a few films of note. He was in One Million Years BC. He was also in Such Things. Yeah, it was really no cool. Shit. Yeah. Okay. I think with Raquel Welch, if I'm not mistaken. He was also in Such Things as A Night to Remember, the film Sapphire and 39 Steps. Some interesting things here of note. I was reading a little bit about this, man. He was considered for the role of James Bond in Honor Majesty's Secret Service when Sean Connery like oh, he left shit. the franchise. Yeah. But it said he, of course, lost out to George Lanzenby. So I was like, damn, that's pretty interesting. Also, things of note, the, the reason he started getting leading man roles is because he was in She, which was a big hit, but not so much when they had like the vengeance of She. It was kind of a flop. But yeah, this guy had an interesting film career. Random Bond fact. Yeah. Lazenby holds the highest average amount of women banged for Bond per film. Yeah, baby. <laughs> because he was the one and done, wasn't he? I think you're right. And so, like, he hooks up with, like, three chicks in the, or, like, right. I, I, even if he hooks up with only, like, two chicks in that movie, with every other Bond, I think they have a movie where they only get with one chick that brings their average down. You're probably right. That's really interesting. I did want to mention a few of these films because he was a part of some of these Italian horror films in Giallos. He was in 1973's Torso. He's also in the film Eyeball. And one that surprised me, actually on this one too, it's Michelle Soivy's The Church from 1989. Pretty mm. dope film. Yeah, so I was like, damn, that's pretty awesome. All right, we have Andrea Cecchi plays the role of Dr. Chroma Krovayan which is the associate of Mr. Gorebeck in the film. A few things of note from him, like because he's got an extensive career. He was in Eric the Conqueror back in 1961, Night Train to Milan, Torpedo Bay, Challenge of Your Gladiator, I Kill, You Kill, Revenge of the Gladiators. And like I said, he goes all the way back to the 40s, so old school Italian actor there. All right, we have Ivo Garani plays a role of Prince Vita. A few things of note from him. You go back from the 60s, he was an Adam Age vampire. He was in a few of those Hercules films. He was in Hercules and the Conquest of Atlantis. Like I said, just I a bunch of films. I looking through really. these people's filmographies like, is there anything I know from them? Uh, maybe Holocaust 2000 from 1977 mm. and Zora the Vampire from 2000, perhaps. I'm not familiar. I've heard of Zora the Vampire. I definitely never saw it. I haven't either. <laughs> we have Arturo Dominici plays the role of Igor Jovetic. Who is, I guess, the love servant, whatever. Yeah, of, yeah. Of Asa, yeah. So a few films of note from him. He was a part of the Kaltiki, the immortal monster film. He was also in Hercules from 1958, Goliath and the Barbarians from 1959. He was in such things as a coffin for the sheriff, giant of the evil island. More recently, if you want to call it that, I guess. He was a, he was a sheriff of Nottingham in one of the Robin Hood adaptations. Yeah, he did some voice acting, too, for The Adventures of Pinocchio. He was the Green Fisherman. Mm -hmm. So if you've seen that, I guess. <laughs> Good on you. And when I say one of the Robin Hood adaptations, oh, I mean I one that you've probably never seen because it's like the 1960s. <laughs> we might have some Italian, Italian adaptation. <laughs> if you do... You know, thanks for joining us. <laughs> All right, we have Enrico Olivieri. He plays the role of Constantine Vita. A few films of note from him. Constantine. Excuse me, Constantine. <laughs> yes, you're right. Emphasis on that. He was in the films The Black Devil, Fuga and Francia, Nobody's Children, and Siegfriedo. Two other actors I have. We have Tino Bianchi plays Ivan, the Vita's servant in this. The man's servant is how they have him credited. It's kind of fucked up. 
right. A few films of note from him. He was in the film A Day for Lionhearts. He was in Berlin, Appointment for the Spies, Chimera from 68, Weapons of Death from 77, and his final film role, State Secret in 95. And the last person I have credited, even though there's more people in this film, I have Antonio Pier Federici plays a role of the priest. Just a few things of note from him. He was in Romeo and Juliet from 1968. That is the one with Olivia Hussey. We talked about mm-hmm. with another black film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was actually pretty cool, man. Black Christmas. I enjoyed doing that. And he was in 1986's Otello. And yeah, that pretty much rounds out the cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup of what this film entails. We should give you a couple warnings heading to the next section. I mean, th- I mean, it's a, 1960, dude. So it's that. 1960. <laughs> so there's some eye stuff. There's some eye stuff. Like, it's super tame, really. I was about to say, like, the sort of gory type imagery that is there is both obviously fake, yeah. but they find ways to sort of play into the otherworldly. So it's point. not so much gore as it is just disturbing imagery. I think that's a solid point. Yeah. There's drawn boobies. Yeah, if you don't like <laughs> boob drawings, then yeah. They are like front and center for like a minute. I know, and it's like <laughs> 1960. Just keep that in mind. 1960 is nothing we haven't seen before. There's the supernatural and witchcraft and Satan. Exactly. So if you're and, not, Oh, spoiler, vampires. Yeah, so if you're not into that, then you'll probably tune out, tap out, what have you. But otherwise, let's find out how Black Sunday made us... Squeal. How does that make you squeal? Alright, so right before we begin, I realized something happened today. And because of what this show is, we should probably mark the passing of Clarence Thomas the Third, Samson Simpson from Half. I know. I saw that. I was like, damn, that was what yesterday? Yeah. Fucking so Link Sunday, Potter Black from Mod Sunday. Squad. And a fucking just a shit ton of things, but as far as this show's concerned, man, we talked to we talked to Samson all the time. I know it, man. Oh, you know another one, dude. Actually, horror related hmm. is uh, Tales from the Hood. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. So he crossed it for us. Yeah, there you Fuck. go. But both, both stoner comedy horror. There you go, directly for us. So, but yeah. Uh, so this one, this one's for Clarence Thomas the Third. Yeah, I'll smoke to that for sure. <laughs> But, you know, we have talked about that in the past. It's just an unfortunate thing that the older we get and the people that we grew up watching, this is kind of, it happens. Look, I ain't going to lie. I'm kind of surprised that Barbara Steele's still kicking. I know, dude. She's <laughs> killing it, dude. Good for her. Yeah, no, fucking, I need to get caught up on Castlevania, by the way. That reminded me. But I've just been re-watching Shit's Creek. That's neither here nor there. Let's talk about Black Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So maybe we should talk a little bit about how we chose this film. Well, we needed something old. We did. Looking, <laughs> It's been a while since we did something old. Yeah. Just looking at our more recent films that we've reviewed, it was like, damn, we haven't talked about a OG old school film in a hot minute. And I'm going to say two things. And one is I kind of fucking loved this movie. And at the same time, there's a reason we haven't done an old movie in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. It is a friendly reminder. And that sounds kind of mean, but But they just flow different, man. And it was harder for me to keep my attention in it. I think we've talked about this, too. And it makes sense when some of these films popped up, like The Raven, for instance, felt very theatrical. I don't mean like for the movies. I mean, it felt like a stage production. Right. That was the thing. Like, this doesn't feel like a stage production, but it feels like the step past it. Right, it's just the next It doesn't step. feel like film as I tend to think of it. It feels like up-jumped stage theatrics. I agree, I agree. And so it, it does have a little bit of that flow, if that and makes sense. And here's the thing, film needed to go through that era. Otherwise, oh, yeah. you don't get to the modern day. Right, it has to take certain risks and steps. And now, mind you, once again, this came out in 1960 in Italy. Mm-hmm. So this is innovative for that time period. And like I said, I kind of loved it. Yeah, but, I, I enjoy this. But, oh, but yeah, man, it's, it's not old. one I'd watch a lot. <laughs> no, no, I just it maybe every now my attention. If you've never seen a Baba film, I'm like, do you want to see an OG or do you want to see something a little bit more recent? It's up to you. Like I said, though, I kind of loved it. Like the flip side of that is like 
midway through watching it at one point, I was, like, picking up my guitar and being like, oh, shit, dude, like, if I ever actually get a fucking stoner metal band of my dreams going, we're sampling this fucking song for a song, like, like <laughs> yeah. this movie for a song. Intro this movie. In the 17th century, Satan was abroad on Earth. That quote goes on for another, like, two sentences. I don't care. That's the best opening line we've like, had of yes. a fucking movie. Roam the Earth. <laughs> About time. Mm-hmm. You'd seen this before, though, right? Because this was my first time. It had been so long. The one scene that I always remember from this is quite obviously the opening scene with the mask. Dude, the mask is fucking gnar. I was not expecting that. I know. I, and that suddenly they out. show the guy with the fucking hammer. I'm like, yeah, was it? Went, what? This is 1960. But you ain't gonna clunk. Boom. Oh, it's like, oh damn, that was fucking tight. Did they? They went there. <laughs> but you yeah. also don't really see anything. No. And but that's kind was, of the beauty it of it. It was great, though, still. Yeah. And I know, because we've already mentioned it, that was one of those sequences that was cut in part in the AIP uh, okay, distribution. Okay, so I did see the directors. Yeah, there's going to be some, Dude, some points. Then we'll I'm not about. feeling the soundtrack. The soundtrack sounded like some American orchestral bullshit yeah, to me. Yeah, uh, Les Baxter's is more or less the same, be honest. Yeah. Yeah, there's not much difference. Because I did watch both versions, the soundtrack, nothing really stood out on either end. Be quite well, frank. it worked in some scenes, but most of the time I was like, did somebody redo this? Because this doesn't feel like this movie. This feels yeah. like... I don't know, like a fucking romantic drama from the time period. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of that. I know we've talked about that too. It's like, uh, why, 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 why? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing I'm though. It, it did though. fit some scenes because yeah. parts of this movie were melodramatic as fuck. Oh yeah, of course. And that was, it's kind of his intention for that. But... Parts of it, I was sitting there like, <laughs> yo, are we spoofing on fucking soap operas right now? Kind of, <laughs> kind of. Whether intentional or not, that's beside the point. Um, right before the fucking mask, though, the branding I thought was kind of cool just because it doesn't quite look realistic. Right, right. But I would imagine it probably, probably it got shocked a few across. people. Yeah, like, what the hell? It still looked neat. Yeah, it served its purpose. And it, it still wasn't... looked good. It just didn't look yeah. like it's supposed to. It didn't look super clean. Yeah. <laughs> but we get it. We get it. There's a couple things like that through this movie for me. The branding was like that a little bit in the future just to jump around. But when yeah. we finally start seeing like the partially decomposed witch face and shit, it's almost making use of the uncanny valley Yeah, where yeah. it doesn't look real, but it doesn't quite look fake either. Yeah, there's some good transitions in there mm -hmm. with the use of the effects and things like that. Yeah, but you're right. It's like. I have to use that, though, like that refrain. like, remember, this is 1960. Remember. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, for the time period, it's not bad, dude. Pretty good. And but, you yeah. know what? I didn't read a lot of the extra notes and stuff on this and, like, little whatevers because I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> Just didn't feel like it for this one. But one of the few things I did see was, like, they wanted to go color at first to compete with Dracula. Mm -hmm but ended up going with this black and white. Dude, black and white was the way to go because it, it hides some shit too. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, if this All was those effect color, sequences look so good Yeah, in the black and white. I mentioned that I watched Barbara Steele have an interview from, I might have missed said 98, I think it was like maybe mid-95, something okay. like that. It, she had made mention of the fact that everything on set was either black and white, even though all their costumes and everything. Mm. So she said it had a, that very monochromatic, look to it and you're right if it's done right you can hide some obvious flaws you know but i agree i think the use of black and white was a really nice touch of this it gave it a classic feel and it hit some of it we already mentioned some of its flaws but i liked it shit what's going on plot wise at the beginning of the movie she curses the fucking place yeah so her brother is like a part of the inquisition and she's accused of all right in the Italian version, it's kind of implied that there might be some incestual stuff going on between Asa oh. and Vyutich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he wears the crest to the family, mm. it's implied. I don't know. I didn't really read into that part of it. But, you know, they're sorcerers, vampires, witches, etc. And right, right before she dies, gets the mask on, she's like, no, I'm the one who renounces you. And she puts the curse on his descendants. 
Right. I mean, that's maybe something we should kind of talk about for a second is like at the end of the day, this is a witch movie and like a Satan movie. But there's a lot yeah. of fucking vampires being used. Yes. So because she's using her witchcraft <laughs> and her connection to Satan to create vampires. Some of this did feel like Dracula. Some of it felt like. Yes. Big time like Dracula. <laughs> yes. Because first thing I thought the first time through was the character of the uh, Gorbeck, the assistant. I was like, man, he feels like the Jonathan Harks character, but he's not. Well, I was thinking Homeboy felt like Van Helsing. That too, yeah. And it's like Mina character from Dracula and all this other stuff. Well, even at the <laughs> end when he goes to test with the fucking the crucifix around her neck, like <laughs> to really jump to the very end, he does right on the forehead, like, and that's when in Dracula how we knew Mina was. Corrupted by Dracula. See, there you go, dude. Was the fucking, the wafer on the forehead that burned the... Yeah, and you would know right then and there if that were the case. So it felt like that, and it felt like some other things as well. You're right, throughout this film. But that's okay. That's all right. It still worked, you know? So it had a good flow to it. It wasn't bad. I didn't notice as much first scene for obvious bedraggled <laughs> tied to steak reasons. Yeah. But as soon as you bring in the princess... I swear to God, I made this fucking note before I saw any little bit of info on this movie later. But my first thought was like, oh, shit. So this is where Tim Burton got Lydia Dietz. Yeah. Well, here's something interesting. In some of those little behind-the-scenes things I watched is Roger Corman, obviously. And I've seen Tim Burton being linked to, like, being influenced by this film. I did see that Burton said this film is a huge influence on his work. So I can see that with Barbara Steele because of her eyes and shit. Even her hair. The hair yeah. was what tipped it off to me. I mean, it's pretty obvious, you know. There's definite character features that you can see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I was like, this is where Burton got Lydia Dietz. And then I started thinking about fucking... As you're saying, yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then I started thinking about Tim Burton. <laughs> and it, like, I think we all like Tim Burton... I do. I grew up watching it. I mean, I, we both did. But I think a very, very common refrain these days is like, we've all kind of gotten tired of him as it's went on. He does consistent work. His films are super consistent. Like, they all kind of have that same feel to them. If you've seen one, you've pretty much seen, not all of them, but you know what I mean? They all have a certain feel to mm -hmm. it. So here's my suggestion, because I know Tim is out there listening, which is why I'm trying to be, you know, diplomatic about this. <laughs> My recommendation for revitalizing Tim Burton's career, quit trying to fucking be Tim Burton through and through in every single one of your fucking movies. Yeah, yeah. Wear your inspirations on your sleeve. I don't want to see Tim Burton remake a Bava movie, but I want to see Tim Burton make his best Mario Bava movie. That would be fun. I think that would be a good challenge, too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Don't remake any one of them, but no, no, like, no. take that feeling. If exactly. he's a fan... Make it your own. And try to put it forward. Yeah, I like that idea. I think that would be a good concept. And it could be a way for him to kind of break a little bit of the, his own mold, you know, his usual aesthetic and soundtrack and, you know, his characters dude's and shit. just gotten lost in himself, too. Like, everything has to be more Burton-y than the last, it feels like. Yeah, I know what you're saying with that, too. And it's like, I get it, man. I get it, but I'm not always into it either. Yeah. You know? Like, I, I'm good with certain films. But I think that would be still be a good idea, regardless. I'm with you. Yeah. Have Burton pull a fucking Quentin Tarantino dude. where his influence is on his fucking sleeve. Go for it, man. Do it, dude. Mm. <laughs> yeah. We're not getting any younger. All right. I wanted to ask you this. Yeah. This is in the film. It's pretty obvious. This is why I felt like Dracula to me, too, is the stagecoach. Oh, yeah. Stagecoach. It obviously breaks down. They enter the crypt. And then... There's a separation of the two doctors, Kruvian and Gorbik, <laughs> and then the bat attacks. <laughs> I was, like, was going to ask you about that. Like, this dude's already talking about crosses and protection, and then he gets his cane out and starts like, fuck it. <laughs> Just wreck this place. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. The bat, I was like, okay, yeah, with the bat attack. and I, But I was at that point, because the witch ceremony was still so fresh in my mind, I wasn't quite thinking vampire yet. But I'll tell you what. Although I was already thinking vampire before this, the part where I was like going, Dracula. Everybody's seeing Dracula here, right? Like <laughs> Dracula was when she fucking resurrects Homeboy. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets up and he has the actual fucking Vlad mustache. And they say Griffin in the fucking dub over, but that is very obviously a dragon. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be, dude. And so I'm like, you know, you have the Vlad yeah. mustache and the dragon, the and he's being resurrected as a fucking vampire. Like, y'all are <laughs> seeing this, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's tipped off, too, that they're supposed to be in Russia mm-hmm. or in the air. Oh, Moldova. So, Moldova, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, what is it? Like, split up in Romania, Ukraine, and Moldavia, mm-hmm. something like that. So, yeah, that's, I looked up with that a little bit. Geography. <laughs> but that was, I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, Come on. You guys just fucking brought Vlad out of the ground. I mean, yeah, but, uh, but no. I, I have some reservations about this version of him. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, this is the fucking dope slave version of him, right? Essentially. Yeah. It's like this dude. So, yeah. What other story would you say it's Dracula mixed with? Because this is like the, yeah. the chick with the power. It's a witch story, but. That's a solid point, man. It's almost more huh. akin to like. I don't know. Like, they're <laughs> vampires, but they're a lot more akin to somebody raising fucking zombies and sending them after. Yeah, a little necromancy, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. That's a solid point. I'd have to think about that. I'm a little high right now. Know, right? <laughs> but, nah. I see what you're saying, because there, there are certain influences. I don't know if I'm picking them out quite yet, either. But oh, yeah. So, they're in the crypt, knock over the shit. Cuts his hand, blood drips on her. Go Obviously, figure. yeah. And you've already mentioned that's when we meet... The modern day version of Asa in the form of Katya, mm-hmm. Vita, the princess, right? She's like, you know, what are you guys doing here? And our homeboy, he immediately is like, damn, girl. <laughs> damn. He's like, yeah, right after the old man's just like, yeah, we're just traveling through, we're doing this or that. And dude's just like, yeah, I'm not even going to say goodbye because yeah. I'm hoping we meet again. It's like, let me slide them DMs. <laughs> You're like, dude, you guys are, like, leaving this entire area in, like, a week, right? Yeah, they're supposed to be going to some conference. They make mention of that. And that's not really the important part, you know. That's the only reason why we know they're there. I did think it was funny that then they immediately go to that fucking tavern and Homeboy gets <laughs> fucking blitzed. Yeah. And so <laughs> I realized, depending on time of year, it still could have been early in the night. But my first time watching through this, I thought that, like... <laughs> As you do, like, they were drinking late. Like, it was, like, midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. And then <laughs> he's going to go fucking sleep it off. But he's like, yeah, I'm going to tell him to wake us at 5. Like, I'm what? like, you're going to go get four fucking hours sleep and go, like, do the rest of whatever oh, you're fucking. Man. Oh, man, you shouldn't have gotten so drunk. <laughs> I know. He's going to be fucking feeling like dog shit the next day. Second time through, though, I was sitting there and I'm like, depending on time of year, it could have been that dark at, like, 8. Like, That's a This solid might point. be, like, 10. You could be right. Because there's, I mean, granted. This could be fucking 9 at 9.30. Like, yeah, I was going to say he, granted. He also didn't seem used to vodka. Like, I think oh, he yeah. tied one on real quick. <laughs> oh, man. I can tell you from my experience, it doesn't take much vodka to make me like, oof. But I don't drink vodka, so there's that. So there's a scene for me where I'm, I was kind of like, oh, you're pulling me out of it, is where they're at the castle, Prince Vida. He's, I guess he's talking to Ivan like the manservant or whatever. And they get to talking about the crucifix and shit like that. Mm. And then he gives him something to drink and he sees the mask of Satan and he drops it. And then the guy's kind of like reassuring him with uh, the crucifix. And he's like, yes. He says, the sacred symbol of Christ right, will stop your throat. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> stop that shit. It's not that simple. <laughs> it's like, if that's all it takes, it's just a fuck... The thing I find kind of ironic about the sense that, you know, apparently the cross will thwart the evil in this film. I was like, I don't know how much Jesus would be wanting to see that floating around either, considering the circumstances he was in. Yeah, so I just find that shit kind of ridiculous, and it doesn't work for me, but it's 1960. I get it. Oh, my God. I I forgot to point it out. Also, right before we find out that homeboy was getting sloshed, when it first popped into that fucking tavern and the homeboy locals were just dancing around, <laughs> yeah. I started losing it because all I could think of was fucking Calvair. I know. Jesus. <laughs> Jump around. <laughs> Man, white people do some weird shit in groups. <laughs> it's funny. 
also by the point time that they're getting sloshed, we've started to see the fucking the corpse face. And I already pointed out, like, I think it's weird because it, it rests right in that uncanny valley. Yeah. Like, it I looks agree. fake, but still looks pretty decent. It looks man. really real. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can only imagine an audience in this time period seeing something like that and be like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> but, you know. And I sort of love the little, like, bubbling up in the eyes. Yeah. And shit. It's like, that it was, was effective. Cool. It looked good. And that's Baba's dad doing a lot of that stuff. Mm as I'm saying, he did some really cool effects in this. Another one of those being he sculpted some of the wax figures and shit used in, I think, Prince Vita's death and shit. Mm. Well, and there was just enough eye stuff in this, too, where I was like, Fulci. Yeah, <laughs> hello. But there is a motif with the eyes in this film. Mm. Yeah, I mean, even the mask in the film, when you get the POV, you know. Shit, oh, yeah. It's focusing on the eye part. Of course, the studs. The nails, whatever. But once again, Baba's dad created that mask. I was like, that's pretty dope. Because apparently that mask inspired some other guys, Roger Corman being one of them and some other genre mm -hmm. directors. So I thought that was really cool. So the painting of her. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> it was fine. Better than I can do. Me too. I'm not, you know. But <laughs> like... The family kind of skimped out on their fucking portrait here, right? Yeah. Their portrait artist. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, okay, it's, it's, yeah, it's vaguely her. Yeah. I see it. Exactly. I don't not see it. Right. But it's, you know, we know mm, who it is, but couldn't have better. Like, what somebody, somebody hire the fucking artist that drew up fucking Vigo, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I was thinking, um, <laughs> the booby one. <laughs> okay, so let's just Leo skip to ahead to that, that for a second. <laughs> because now that you brought up the booby one, oh, I got it. Like, that was fucking homeboy's fucking jerk shack, right? <laughs> you know it was. <laughs> it was hidden behind the painting. It was really, yeah. like, it. the main feature of that room uh, is a giant fucking portrait <laughs> of his mistress with her tits out. Right, right, right. And it doesn't help this cause. There is a bottle of lotion and Kleenex. <laughs> I was like, come on, dude. <laughs> All I can think is... Um, uh, Who do you think ended up with that fucking... That... <laughs> shit. I don't know, but... Do you think it still it exists? It might. I hope it does for its sake. It'd be funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, I can't get rid of this. Are you kidding me? I think we could find it at auction somewhere and just set it up in that oh, whole side of the room. Dude, that'd be awesome. I think just for aesthetics, it'd be kind of... <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, it was funny. I, it was a nice touch in this film. <laughs> yeah, that was totally just his jerk shack, though. Yeah, that's all I could think, man. B-52's the jerk shack, baby. <laughs> I don't fucking... What was going on again? Is she starting to resurrect people yet? So is things going bad yet? Is, is that what we were talking about? Oh, I mean, all right. So here's essentially what happens. The innkeeper daughter... I told you, as much as I love this, I got fucking bored during Yeah, the, the innkeeper daughter sends her out to go milk, like, one of the, you know, cows or whatever, but she's reluctant because it's dark. She just so happens to see this is after Vida gets attacked from Yuvatich because he's resurrected. He goes to the castle, whatever, sees the fucking cross, scampers off. But it, mm. it sends our homeboy, the prince, into a panic. And so they enlist the help of the two doctors. Yuvatich goes back in his carriage. That little girl sees it and whatnot. And he tricks Krovian into going back to what he thinks is the castle, but he's going back to the crypt. And that's mm. where Asa hypnotizes him, drinks his blood, gains her power, turns him, the whole plot's to go back into the castle and mm -hmm. use Katya to regain her youth and essentially, you know, start wreaking havoc again. That's the whole point of this fucking film. Well, was, I mean, it, and it using was all the party to destroy curse. them. She's yeah. like, I'm going to be in your bloodline forever. Yeah, and so there's a part, if you look in um, Wikipedia's page, it's like, maybe that's what they did because even the prince had mentioned prior, like with the On Black Sundays, a hundred years after... Asa's death and all that stuff. There was this earthquake or whatever that disrupted the chapel and it looked like she broke out of her tomb. Mm -hmm. And one of the princesses died mysteriously. She was in her 20s or 20 year old. So she happened to look like her. Katya happens to look like So that it's implied that 
the beauty of Asa is passed down the lineage, and she's just trying to use them as a vessel. Yeah, whenever some homeboy gets a hard on for. <laughs> Well, going to, whenever a, they have a suitable daughter, basically. Yeah, yeah. And you know, every couple generations, they're pretty much guaranteed to because of her curse. Like, she's like, I'm yeah. going to keep coming back. So, like, yeah. Two centuries later, here we go. Mm-hmm. So, that's the whole point. So, in between all of this stuff, you get what the girl, when she's washing her clothes, you find that the servant who was supposed to be telling those guys is dead in the river. So, that's probably how Yuvitish got some of his powers back, too. He had a feed. Oh, right. So, yeah. I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Uh, so the girl, because Gorbich, he's like, where's dude at? He's supposed to be back. He didn't tell me he was leaving. And he catches wind that the little girl had seen it and all that stuff. And this tell is where, what you know. yeah. And then, then when uh, Kruvian is up there attending to Prince Vida, the cross gets brought up. He's like, get it out of here because it's, it's disrupting him. He just, he doesn't like it. <laughs> but later on that night, that's when Prince Vida dies. So it's, mm-hmm. it's implied that. Yuvatish came in and killed him. Those guys scamper off into the jerk shack. And then... <laughs> jerk shack, baby. Yeah, and then that's when Gorbich catches when He finds out that the body's at the sacristy, and that's when the priest gets involved. Mm-hmm. Kind of gives him a little bit more expo on the curse and all this other stuff. He's like, look, you just had somebody die, but you need to know more, so they introduced my character. Here you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm Ahab, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so all this knowledge, right, he wants to go back to the castle. I think that little girl actually points out the painting, too, of Yuvatish. She's like, yeah, that's the dude that gave Kruvian the message. So, all right, that starts to make sense. So at this point, I thought it was kind of funny. All right, I do want to mention this. This might be my favorite shot in the entire film, as corny as it is, as cheesy as it is. This is kind of going into, like, the third act when Kruvian, the older doctor, after he's turned, and Yuvatich are coming out of, like, the fireplace— Oh, okay, the dragon, yeah. and it's a little bit foggy. I was like, "Holy shit!" These dudes are like tag team partners. And <laughs> <laughs> WWF entering the ring. <laughs> I was like, "These motherfuckers." That's what got me off. I was like, "This is fucking hilarious." That's right now. amazing. I remember exactly what you're talking about now too, and that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, that sends them back into the castle mm-hmm. because they're under the orders that Asa needs Katya's body to, like I said, gain her strength. Gain her youth, so like gain her tits, them boobies, all them stuff. Because that's all she's missing at the end. Yeah, I mean, we find out that there's not much going on underneath. I ain't into that. That's some York Bootkrite shit right there. Yeah, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah, that's. I mean, at worst, I'm going visitor Q. I ain't going. Yo, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah, my God. (laughs) Doo doo butter. (laughs) All right, Constantine. And Gorbich, that's where they find this secret passageway because one of the tapestries catches fire. It damages Yuvatich's painting, and they find that secret layer. And like most, I'm going to pick on Caucasians because I am one. He's like, oh, let's go check it out. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, through the middle stages, not where we're talking about now, but earlier on, I kept mixing up who was Gorbich. And who was Constantine, which made some scenes really awkward when I realized, oh, like, oh that's her brother. It's like, oh, no. Oof. <laughs> Another scene I want to bring up was kind of silly. Is <laughs> when she faints somewhere in the scenes and Gorbeck is there and he tends to her, pops open that button. <laughs> he wasn't looking at that cross, homie. I was like, I wonder if the actor, not he's not her brother in real life, but the guy right. was, I, was like, I wonder how much he's checking out because he's got a different POV. <laughs> Like, hey. I mean, hey. Barbara Steele. You're my sister. <laughs> I'm your sister. I'm your sister. <laughs> so it is like, man, these dudes were on the sly. And they're always throwing this romantic bent in films, too. Mm-hmm. Which feels, I mean, I get it. He was smitten by her. He was, he's like, she was sad, bro. She needs a hero. <laughs> but anyway. That whole shit gets well. Me. This well, we got to think about it too. This yeah. was sixties, right? Yeah. So as far, especially in this genre, in this area, it's one of the first films to really start leaning into the more erotic angle. That is very true. That's another thing to take note. You're right. Because I, I think I think um, Franco takes a lot of inspiration from Bava. I can believe that too. Jess Franco, come on, man. Mm-hmm. That dude's known for some. He wasn't shy. 
Mm-mm. Neither were his muses. <laughs> I'm not joking about that. I got some of his films. Holy moly. They're not family friendly, so they're... <laughs> they're not, <laughs> not unless you got that kind of family, which I'm not judging. But anywho. Shout out Alabama. I know. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> so the whole point of this is once everything's going down in the castle, the priest and Gorbeck, they get out and they find where they're looking for the coffin. They find Kruvian in there. And they're like, oh, we're going to drive a nail through his eye of all places. There's the eye motif once again. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Looked decent. Yeah. So they took care of him. But in the meantime, Katya, because she's running around looking for people, she runs into her dad, who's now a vampire, and he's about to attack her. But Yubatish is like, uh-uh, and tosses it in the fucking fire. It's like, damn, that's fucked up. The burning effect was pretty cool. It was cool. That was another one of Baba's father's effects mm-hmm. with the wax mask and all that shit. Not bad. This leads her to passing out. Yuvitich carries her back to Asa, and it's starting the exchange of the youth and the aging process, which wasn't bad. It looked decent. Yeah. You know, I mean, granted. So at first I thought it was simply lines drawn on the face that they just erased, but I don't know how they could have gotten cuts that seamless. So did they yeah. rotoscope those lines on, I'm guessing? Yeah, I, possibly. I don't know. I'd like to find out. That'd be kind of interesting mm-hmm. to see. Yeah, because it's, Cause it's it a pretty decent just technique. Like, it was like the standard like old man, old woman yeah, makeup yeah. that you might do in like a high school stage production. But man, but then it faded away. And I'm wondering too, like how many shots they used to get that lapse too, because mm-hmm. that could be well, a lot of That's why I'm wondering if, if it was just rotoscoped on. Because I could see that like, too. Yeah, I, there, I didn't see any cuts. Mm-mm. It's pretty seamless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked good. But that's kind of what's going on. And let's see. Somewhere in between, they come back in. Gorbeck, That's right. He comes back in. Asa's already kind of like trying to trick him. She's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, we need to kill her." And then, of course, the cross comes into play. And he's like, "Oh no, I'm not falling for that nonsense." And the priest, along with the rest of the villagers, show up. Yeah, I like how he's just like uh, that one. <laughs> <laughs> do some Jafar shit <laughs> yeah basically yeah they light our ass up and you know the whole point is, is once Oz is dead it lifts the curse Kadia starts getting her youth back her appearance back her strength back and everyone left alive lives happily ever after yeah the end <laughs> the end seemed really sudden to me I was like I wait what, like, what it was, was like, that and All right. done although fucking Return of the King could have took a fucking lesson <laughs> Sometimes they're like, all right, that's it. That's enough. That's enough. The end. Yeah, we got an hour and some change in. We got a full length, guys. Let's get out of here. Because this is an older film, I've already brought this up. We both have so many times. I was like, I can see how this film started, like, some really interesting things popping off now in Italy with horror films because we've already mentioned that uh, he did the first Italian horror film and a science fiction film as well, which is interesting. I didn't know that, but... What an influence this kind of started. And then Black mm-hmm. Sabbath that followed that and then his venture into Giallos and stuff. So, yeah, this guy really paved the way for a lot of directors, man. Absolutely. Pretty amazing. And to do it in black I and white. I do feel like, man, I do feel like now that I've seen this, I feel like this DNA I can see a little bit in almost every Italian movie we've man, watched. it's crazy. But, it, yeah, you can't help but notice it. Some of it's a little bit more diluted than others. Oh, yeah, naturally. But, yeah, it's still, it's it's nice to know when you do get into these kind of, like, subgenres, the Italian horrors and giallos and all that mm-hmm. stuff. It's like, man, when you trace the footsteps and the, the genre, here he is. <laughs> Can't help but talk about him. So it is nice to go back and revisit guys like these and films like this, even though they're not our, not necessarily my favorite, but... Every now and then, it's nice to go revisit, just uh, get some perspective. Look, yeah, man, we do want to try to honor, like, all eras of this sort of film. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which is why, like, we picked (laughs) this just because we needed something old. Yeah. But I'm I'm glad we did. Man, even when I was born, uh, this film was already 21 years old. It was legal to to do whatever it wanted to do. (laughs) Right? It's 60 years later, bro. (laughs) So... We know next episode. Yeah. It's going to be fun. We just don't know the one after, which is what we have to figure out. All right. We got one out of the two. Yeah. So next episode, I don't know how it took us this fucking <laughs> long, but we're going to jump back to some horror comedy Dude. with 
a scary movie. Dude, that's going to be awesome. That's so much fun. It's been a long time since I watched for a scary movie, dude. It hasn't been too long, but all the way through, it's been it's been a couple years. I think it's probably been two or three that I've seen most recently. Oh, two. I can tell you all about that one. Number one, I still remember. So that's going to be fun. Check us out next time for that. Oh, yeah. I don't think I have anything else on Black Sunday. I was trying to think. I feel like I might have missed something, but I don't No, think. talk about entry points. If you've never seen an Italian horror film, giallo film, and you need a, a launching pad, per I mean, se. Yeah, it works. Check it out. And if yeah. you like it, follow its footsteps and see it gets – it does are, get better. Yeah, it gets better. It likes it. Keep <laughs> it in mind. It does get better. I mean, this is, like I said, one of the first really Italian horror films that mm-hmm. sparked a movement. I agree. For this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Out. out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top, as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, The easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. You can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ats. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.